I love being in the house of the Lord, and I love being with my church. How many are thankful for your church? How many make it personal? It's my church. And to be a part of the kingdom of God is a tremendous thing. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew chapter 12. And we're going to read a a rather lengthy portion of Scripture, Matthew 12 and verse number 1. account of the life of Jesus, and uh, I, I feel I feel a hesitancy in my spirit because I've wrestled with the Lord this week. Um, this perhaps would not be the message that I would like to preach, but this is what the Lord keeps drawing me back to, and uh, and I have an obligation as a minister of the gospel to preach what the Lord lays on my heart, whether it's comfortable or easy. And, um, and so I'm going to obey what I feel the Lord is calling me to do tonight. Matthew 12, and perhaps this would not be as uh, preached at a different church this morning. And I always miss my church. And I heard that y'all had a Holy Ghost time. Amen. And I love to hear that. But this is an example of something that I, I would not preach in, in another church. But this is my church. And so I feel the liberty to do so. Will you preach with me tonight? Matthew 12 and 1. If you have that, say amen. At that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn. And his disciples were hungered and began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. But he said unto them, Have ye not read what David did when he was in hunger, and they that were with him, how he entered into the house of God and did eat the showbread which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests? Or have ye not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? But I say unto you that in this place is no one greater than the temple. But if he had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, ye would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. And when he was departed thence, he went into their synagogue. And behold, there was a man which had his hand withered. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days, that they might accuse him? And he said unto them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep? And if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore, it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. Then saith he to the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it forth, and it was restored whole like as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and held counsel against him, how they might destroy him. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. And he healed them all. I'd like to preach from this title and forgive me if I approach this from a negative angle. Critical or consecrated? Critical or consecrated? 
Can we put our Bibles down and can we lift our hands all over the sanctuary and just ask the Lord to help us tonight? Dear Lord Jesus, I pray that you would minister to somebody. God, I pray that we would have the spirit of one who is consecrated to you. Lord, I pray that you would purge us from having a critical spirit, Lord. That we would have a right spirit and a clean heart and a pure mind. We love you, Lord. We magnify you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. Thank you for worshiping. You may be seated. To be consecrated simply means to be set apart or dedicated to the service of the Lord. And it is nearly impossible to be critical and consecrated at the same time. And what I mean by that in particular is to have a spirit related to the one that we read in our text, a a pharisaical spirit that would seek to find fault at every turn. A spirit that when God is moving, when blessings are flowing, when supernatural things are happening, would seek to find the negative and not to dwell on what God is doing. When you study the life and ministry of Jesus, you will find something very interesting. People were very critical of Jesus. They really, really were. In fact, I'm convinced that if Jesus were to walk into any given church this week and start teaching, that someone would find something to be critical about Jesus. Strangely enough, most of the criticism that Jesus faced came from the highly religious people. Luke 6 and 7 says that the Pharisees followed and they watched after Jesus to see if he would heal someone on the Sabbath day just so they could accuse him of wrongdoing and find something, some accusation to hurl at him. They used fancy religious jargon to try to trap Jesus into saying something controversial. On more than one occasion, they would try to get Jesus in a corner where they could accuse him of false theology or heresy in some way. And when Jesus met and ate with sinners trying to reach the lost, the religious elite went immediately to the gossip vine to spread the word that Jesus was compromising. This was the everyday scrutiny that Jesus lived under. No wonder Jesus was so harsh with the Pharisees. He called them fools, blind guides, whited sepulchers, murderers, and a generation of snakes, and all kinds of other things. He called them hypocrites seven times in one chapter alone. Can you say praise the Lord? And one of the defining traits of the Pharisees was their critical and prideful spirit. And so Tonight, I am asking us to do something that might make us uncomfortable, but I believe that we need to carefully consider the condition of our hearts. Are we critical or consecrated? I can't tell you how many times that I have walked as an evangelist preaching all over the country that I walked out of a church service right into a critical conversation where 20 and 30 had just received the Holy Ghost. I'll never forget leaving a church service where a woman had been healed miraculously of cancer and she had begun to worship the Lord because she had been healed. And I walked into the, into the, uh, into the vestibule and a man began to criticize this woman's worship. Can I just tell you right now, if God healed you of cancer tonight, uh, I can tell you you'd be doing more than just nodding amen uh, and giving the preacher a good little how you doing. Oh no, when God 
touches you, uh, you're going to have something worth shouting about. To have a critical spirit is one of the most dangerous things. A critical spirit can destroy revival. A critical spirit can destroy a church. A critical spirit can destroy a marriage. A critical spirit can destroy a family. A critical spirit can destroy children and grandchildren. A critical spirit can attack a family and begin to wreak havoc on relationships. A critical spirit can do more damage in just a few moments. Oh my. A critical spirit. A dangerous place to live. But... The real tragedy of a critical spirit is that it always destroys the carrier. A critical spirit will eat away at the heart of an individual, eat away at the heart of a man or the heart of a woman until before you know it you find yourself coming into the presence of God and no longer can you feel the touch of the Holy Ghost. No longer can you feel the brush of angels' wings. No longer can you bask in the glory of God's presence but something begins to take over and that critical spirit will will consume everything that we do and say i think a classic example of this in the bible is when we see even before judas betrayed jesus we see the condition of judas's heart when mary came and she and she began to fall at Jesus' feet. Isn't that one of the most beautiful stories in the Bible when when she came and she fell weeping at his feet and and she anointed his feet and that alabaster box she broke that was precious. That was that was uh, that was high in value and she was in such awe of Jesus that she was willing to pour out that alabaster oil upon his feet and and she began to weep at his feet and Judas looked at that and he could not recognize the value of her praise and because he had a critical spirit all he could think about is the money that was being wasted the money that was being wasted in worship of Jesus. Can I tell somebody today when Jesus delivered delivers you from sin, when he turns your life around, when he brings you out of the miry clay, there's nothing too good for Jesus. There's nothing too good for the house of God. But a critical spirit will overwhelm a heart that all they can view is the carnal. Instead of seeing the value of praise, I found that one of the first signs of a critical spirit growing in someone's heart is that they cannot recognize the value of spiritual things. Spiritual things seem like a waste of time, a waste of energy, a a waste of finances. That could be better put to use doing something else. We could find a better way to use our time or spend our money. It reminds me of the story of of, uh, it reminds me of the story of King David as he danced in the presence of the Lord. And how many are thankful that we can come into the presence of the Lord with thanksgiving. We can come into the presence of the Lord with praise. And he was bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to the capital city. And, he, and they would take six steps and they would dance before the Lord. And they would take another six steps and they would dance before the Lord. Because they were bringing the glory of God back to, to the capital. Hey, some of us need to be concerned with bringing the glory of God back into our families and bringing the glory of God back into our sanctuary and bringing the glory of God back into our marriages and bringing the glory of God back into our grandchildren's lives. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Some of us need to be concerned with restoring the glory of God that has been stolen from us. 
So David was so consumed with worship, or, uh, worship, a man after God's own heart, that he couldn't just take but a few steps without worshiping and making sacrifices unto God. And as they neared the city, his wife was standing in a grand tower looking down with a critical spirit. And she despised her husband's praise. And she despised the energy that he put into worshiping God. I I may not get much past this tonight and I may not get an amen. That's okay. But can I just tell you, you better be very careful when you have a critical spirit uh, when somebody is praising God. Uh, Can I remind somebody? uh, God brought you from a mighty long way. Uh, Hey, I just got to tell somebody tonight. uh, God has brought me to God has brought me too far to stop praising him because of a critical spirit. God has delivered me from too much to stop praising him because God has brought me too far to withhold my praise from him because of a critical individual who stands in an ivory tower and refuses to participate in what God is doing. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I feel like I need to preach to a Michael right now. I need to preach to a daughter of Saul right now. You better come down out of the ivory tower before it's too late. You better get down there with David. You better get in the presence of the king. You're the bride of Christ. It's time to start acting like it. You're the bride of Christ. It's time to get down where he is. And if he's undignified, you better get undignified. If everybody else is praising, you ought to be praising. All right. One of the most dangerous places to be is in an ivory tower far removed from what God is trying to do. God was restoring his glory to a nation. God was revealing himself to his people. And there was joy and celebration. Can I just pause and remind somebody why we worship? We worship because God is great and greatly to be praised. We worship because God is better to me than I've been to myself. I worship God because he saved me when I was lost in sin. I couldn't save myself. My righteousness is as filthy rags. But I'm so thankful that I serve a holy God who has imparted his righteousness to me. And when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he has done for me my soul cries out hallelujah thank God for saving me I can't sit on my praise I can't hold it back I've got to praise God and so I'm pleading with somebody in the Holy Ghost tonight come down come down from the ivory tower Come down from a place of criticism and skepticism. Come down from a place of pride. Because that's really where a critical spirit flows from. It flows from a prideful spirit. I'm too good for that. I'm above all of that. And before we know it, we're like a Michael who thinks that we're even above what the king is calling us to do. Oh, what a dangerous place to be. But I'm glad tonight to be in a place that loves to worship. Don't we love to worship at Apostolic Tabernacle? A place that is dedicated to the things of God. I think a classic example as well from the scripture 
is the story of Mary sitting at Jesus' feet. How many remember that story? And Jesus has come and he's teaching in their home. And Martha, Martha is working in the kitchen. And, and I think that Martha is a, a perfect example of someone who does not intend to have a critical spirit. You see, often we can develop a critical spirit, but it's not out of bad motivation or wrong intentions. We have the right intentions. We have good intentions, but, but we find ourselves somehow out of sync with the will of God. This is a very fixable place to be. Can someone say amen? This is a, this is a very fixable place to be, but we have to correct ourselves before it's too late. And, and Mary was doing the right thing. She was doing the proper thing. She was sitting and listening to the teaching of Jesus. And, and as Martha came out, and she began to really chastise Jesus and say, listen, she ought to be in here working with me. And Jesus said, no, she has chosen the best part. Can I tell somebody tonight it's time to come out from the busyness and come out from all of the distractions and all of the things that we think we're doing right. And every once in a while, we've got to come in and sit down at Jesus' feet. Every once in a while, we've got to get down in an altar until we feel the presence of God. Every once in a while, we've got to be broken in the presence of Jesus. I don't want to be a professional Pentecost. I don't want to get so slick and cool that I can't be broken in the presence of Jesus. I don't want my tie to be so nice and my shoes to be so pretty that I can't be broken in the presence of Jesus. That I can't learn to surrender to the will of God in my life. Oh, listen to me, Martha. It's time to come out from the place that we think we ought to be and shed a critical spirit. And stand where Jesus had called us to be. I often think about the woman caught in adultery. How many remember that story? And this story is often used to, uh, by different people in different directions. But one of the things that I primarily noticed from this story is that Jesus still called her sin, sin. Amen? Jesus never endorsed adultery. In fact, the Bible says that he commanded her to go and sin no more. But his motive was love. His motive was never destruction for her life. Because Jesus approached her and desired to see her change, but not out of a critical spirit. But the Pharisees and the crowd that brought her and threw her at Jesus' feet, it wasn't that Jesus disagreed with the verdict that the angry crowd had placed on this woman's life, but he saw that their motives were hateful, critical, and impure. And, by the way, their hands were far from clean in the matter. Have you ever wondered what it was that he was writing in the sand as, as they looked on? There's all kinds of speculation about that. I tend to lean to it. I believe that he was writing every sin that they had committed. That's just what I believe. I don't have any proof. But see, he knew that their spirit was critical, and yet they had their own issues in their life. But Jesus wanted to restore this woman. And out of the right spirit, did you know we can help people and we can see the wrong in their lives without having a critical spirit? We can call people out of sin and say, hey, I've got the answer for you and his name is Jesus. Let me take you to Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. And you shall, I said you shall, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And we can have the right motivation that says, I want to see somebody come out from among them and be ye separate. 
I want to see a life changed and transformed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what Jesus can do. So Jesus looked at this woman with a right spirit, with a clean heart, with love and compassion in his eyes. And without justifying her sin, he helped her to overcome her sin. How many want to be like Jesus tonight? More than anything in this world, I want to be like Jesus. As the musicians get ready and come. In our text, we see that Jesus has already had a run-in with the Pharisees. His disciples were famished, and they had eaten on the Sabbath day, and, and they had broke, broken a, uh, a strict letter of the law, and he'd already had a run-in, and immediately from that run-in, it almost seems to me, it's just maybe it's just the way that I read it, but it almost seems that Jesus immediately went into the synagogue on purpose to antagonize the Pharisees. That's just how I look at it, but it's almost like, oh, you think that's bad? I'm going to come into the synagogue. I'm going to heal somebody right now. You thought eating a little corn on the Sabbath was a big deal. I'm about to heal somebody right in front of your critical spirit, sir. That's what it seems like to me when I read it because the Bible says he, he immediately went into the synagogue. And he healed this man. And what a beautiful story that is. How many are thankful that we serve a healer tonight? And immediately when the Pharisees saw that, and in their spirit that they had that was all wrong, a spirit that was so critical that when the Messiah, the one that they had been praying for, the one that they had been waiting for, the one that they had read about in, in the law all of their life, they were looking in the face of their own Savior, and they could not even recognize Him because their spirit was destroying them. And immediately when Jesus healed this man, can you imagine? Can you imagine coming to a place where God heals somebody and it causes you to rise up in anger? What a terrible place to be in your spirit. And that's exactly where these men were. And verse 14 says that after Jesus healed this man with the withered hand, the Pharisees went out and held counsel against him. How they might destroy him. And in verse 15, the Bible says, and this is what I want us to notice. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence. Did you know that Jesus will always remove his presence from a spirit like that? And great multitudes followed him and he healed them all. I don't know about you, but. I want to shed any critical spirit in my heart. And I want to follow Jesus into miracles, signs, wonders, revival. Can you stand with me all across the building? Let me leave you with the words of Jesus as he launched his sermon on the Beatitudes. The first thing he said was, Blessed are the peacemakers. Listen to what Paul said in Hebrews 12 and 14. He said, Follow peace with all men. And here's the part we usually quote. We normally leave that first part off. Normally we say, and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. But attached to holiness is following peace with all men. You can't have holiness and have a critical spirit. We have to walk 
in peace to see the Lord. I realize I've preached a little bit differently tonight. I've been preaching to our church family. But I wonder if there would be those with every head bowed, every eye closed. I wonder if there would be some folks here tonight who would step out with me into this altar. Can I, can I just be honest for a moment? Every once in a while, I have to come to the Lord and say, Lord, remove a critical spirit from my heart. Can I just be honest about that? I wonder if there's anyone that would be willing to step out with me into this altar and say, Lord, I want to follow peace with all men. 